Hey everyone, welcome to Heart Sprained. On this podcast, we are going to break down breakups. Sometimes your heart isn't exactly broken, it's just sprained, and you need a little support. This is your breakup wake up call. So I'm Nadine, and I born and raised in New Jersey, spent 28 years of my life there, and have recently moved out to California two years ago, and I rang in the big 3 0 out here. And I'm currently in a brand new three-month-old infantile relationship. <laughs> awesome. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, my, <laughs> my name is Mish, and I was born and raised in New Jersey as well. I'm still here. Um, I'm actually married. Uh, but Nadine and I met in college in 2007, Yikes. somehow 12 years ago. And we became friends through my ex-boyfriend, which is really funny. Um, we became so much closer than he and Nadine ever were. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was his one contribution here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, he'll probably be mentioned a lot, but thank you very much for Nadine. <laughs> we'll send him a basket of, uh, I don't know, something like a, I don't know, fruit basket. Do people still send them? Sure. A glitter okay, bomb, cool. fruit basket. Yeah. Thanks for letting us be friends and then, <laughs> you know, exiting our lives never to be heard from again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so okay let's talk about why we started this podcast anyway yeah I think we started this ultimately because I mean we're self-proclaimed breakup experts because we've been dumped and have dumped quite a bit in our day um luckily for Michelle her dating days are over I am not so sure yet but we'll see um and I think we've seen enough from our own experiences and enough from the experiences of all of our friends. And we just talk about it so much that we were like, you know what, let's just do this to maybe an audience of six people and <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> and also, you know, our friends have gone in and out of relationships from probably high school. We probably still talk to the same people from high school to now. And it's changed so much. Like, Obviously, a high school relationship is different from now, but even just like the definition of a relationship and the definition of a breakup, which I happened to pull up and I was just telling Nadine, it is so funny to me that, I mean, right now, obviously, a breakup can be anything from a serious relationship to like these situationships, right? Yeah. But how Wikipedia defined it when I just did a quick Google search is a relationship breakup, often referred to simply as a breakup, is the termination of an intimate relationship by any means other than death. <laughs> like, Honestly, though, like, I kind of wish the breakups ended in death sometimes. <laughs> I, I kind of felt like someone who, like, had a story on Investigation Discovery wrote this. Like, no, you did not break up with me. I killed no, it's like he he's not calling me back because he's dead. Exactly. It's like the excuse you tell your friends when clearly your friend is being ghosted. You're like, well, maybe he died. Maybe he died. You I just, feel like we've tried that. I I, yeah, and it usually we usually find out quickly that he's very much not dead. Not dead. No. Not dead at all. <laughs> just dead to us, maybe, but yeah. very much alive and kicking. So that's always disappointing. <laughs> so speaking of definitions, though, we absolutely have to talk about why we call this podcast Heart Sprained and what does that even mean? So this was a term that I coined. This will be my one major contribution that I always point back to throughout the series of this podcast. But ultimately, um, so as Michelle mentioned, like, 
there's all these weird situationships that people get themselves in now where nobody wants to like DTR, right? Nobody wants to define the relationship. You don't really know what you are. It's a step above something casual, but not quite to the level of calling someone your boyfriend or your girlfriend. So when these situations end, and usually maybe they're only like anywhere between like three to six months, maybe more, maybe less, but when they end for whatever reason, you know, maybe one of you wants it to become more serious or one of you just starts to pull away unexpectedly, whatever the myriad of reasons could be, you walk away from them and you feel like shit, but you don't want to give it the credit of saying I was heartbroken because you weren't in this thing for like five years, right? It's not like you're getting out of some crazy committed relationship. It was just a few months with somebody that you felt a connection with. So I just kept referencing it as a heart sprain. Because it's not quite severe enough to be considered a break, but it hurts like a motherfucking bitch. And I need to wrap it up in something, usually ice cream and or, you know, lots of sad DoorDash orders. And I need to nurse it back to health. And I just felt like that was the most appropriate way I could explain what I was feeling. I am obsessed with it. I think it's the most perfect term. And (laughs) before we started this podcast, we were talking about names and that came up and I was like, oh my God, I have to look up hashtags and I have to Google it. And this word does not exist. Like Nadine really, truly just made it up. She invented it. I'm a genius. We should probably, we should have probably trademarked it before this. (laughs) (laughs) Is it too late? Are there any lawyers out there? I have said that. Uh, (laughs) But another thing that I really like about it is that uh, sometimes a sprain is actually worse than a break. Like it lingers. It's never really right. I've seen a meme once that was like, you know, like a sprained ankle or just a twisted ankle takes like seven years to stop hurting. Yeah. I feel like when you don't have, you know, like a proper end to something, it does kind of linger and you don't really have those questions answered because you're not really going to reach out to somebody that you talk to for five weeks. Right. So it sucks. The whole thing sucks, honestly. I mean, and it's almost like we live in this weird era where somehow it we don't feel like those quote-unquote situationships give us the right to feel a certain level of pain because if it never became official well then why do I have like some butthurt feelings as if it was official it's like maybe the relationship wasn't official but my freaking feelings sure as hell are and it just feels like we live in in a time now especially with all these apps and everyone's like fear of commitment and looking for what's next where we can't seem to validate the fact that we are so upset and that we do feel so strongly about certain things ending when they were never really something that started. If that makes sense. That's so true. It's fucked up, man. Yeah. And I feel like people probably are less likely to talk about those little heart sprains because they don't want the eye rolls from their friends. Like, Oh God, just get back on the apps. Like get over it. You know, we've all been through it. You got ghosted. This is nothing new, you know, but I think there's so much more to it. And I really want Nadine to talk about why it hurts so bad. Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing. I'm one of these people that I don't like feelings, right? I don't like to talk about them. I don't like to experience them. I don't like to feel them. And so for me in a recent, before I had entered this relationship that I'm currently in, um, I was in a quote unquote situationship and I was like, why am I so upset over this? This is so stupid. He is stupid. The whole thing is stupid. stupid. Why do I feel like this? Like, it's almost like I needed to know that I wasn't some weak ass bitch 
So I went on and I did, and I did like, I like watching things that explain the biology behind why people feel things, right? Because everything's science at the end of the day. So I watched like 13,000 TED Talks that talk about why when you end something, no matter how significant or how long, it doesn't really matter. If a certain amount of chemicals were released in your body from an experience with someone, then those chemicals and those hormones are going to dip just as strongly when it ends. And it, therefore, your body physically goes through some sort of withdrawal. It's almost like you're quitting drugs, right? And you're detoxing. And there's a million studies out there that talk about like love and, you know, infatuation and lust and all of these things and how they release the same flood of chemicals in your body and in your brain that addiction does, like in, for drugs, chocolate, whatever your vice might be. So when that thing gets taken away from you, you literally are in physical pain. So I don't know if that helps anybody out there, but for me personally, it just made me feel so good to know that I'm like, ah, okay. So it's not really him that I'm this upset about. My body is actually going through something because of the feelings that I had towards him. It's not like he was some diamond in the rough that I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to find somebody that's great again. It's like, no, yeah, fuck yeah. him. He's average as hell. But like, I feel this strongly because I had strong feelings. And that just kind of made me feel better because it made me realize that, you know what, these chemicals, they'll pass. Like they're going to dip. It's going to go away. It's going to be like this, you know, not that it never happened, but there will be a day where I don't feel this shitty and I'll be able to hear his name or see his face and maybe not want to like throw my phone out the window. And I think like that was the only thing that really made a change for you, at least from what I could see, like watching those TED Talks and it really just made sense of it. And some people... It just how I don't really know like the right answer, but I think everybody has their one thing for you. It's like facts, biology, mm -hmm. make it not feel like feelings. Right. You and need to explain the feeling in order yeah. for it to not feel like, I, like I said, I just, we, we, the other piece of today, I think that's so stressful is that we as women are so being taught to like, you don't need no man, like yeah. get over it, like waste this time, 2019, which by the love way, it. favorite hashtag, I love it. Amazing. But there's so much pressure on us to just kind of be like, oh, like you need to bounce back. Like this was quick, get the fuck over it, move on, on to the next. And sometimes you just really can't. So for me, it's like, why am I, I'm so used to being strong and being unaffected by this stuff. Why is this one hitting me so differently when it was so much less than other things I've experienced in the past? Why does this one sting? And that to me, that's why I needed to know like, okay, it's not him. It's not me being dramatic. This is literally something chemical and biological that I'm going through and it will eventually go away. You know, I hate to make generalizations, but I think this podcast just inherently is going to be like heteronormative, sweeping mm -hmm. generalizations. It's just kind of is what it is, unless we're talking about something, you know, more specific. But I do think a lot of guys also feel like that like they would probably benefit from like the biology side mm -hmm. of things because I don't think they like to talk about their feelings and deal with it and face it and they don't really have I mean even girls have it hard right now but guys really don't have the support system to be like no you can feel this let's talk about it you know mm -hmm. yeah I mean and if anyone's curious about the TED talk that I watched it's a Helen Fisher one um it's called the brain in love highly recommend it yeah it's so good and again great. she She's fantastic. She's done a couple of TED Talks and they're usually about love. And, you know, she has another one's called Why We Love, Why We Cheat, which, by the way, really great. But we'll get to that topic on another episode. Yes. Um, you know, but yeah. Fun fact about us and Helen Fisher. We 
she is um i think she's like a sexual anthropologist at rutgers like, yes yeah so, mm-hmm. yes, she's actually Everyone great i mean i listened to her to a bunch of podcasts with her and i really like that she does dive into that side of things and she makes you feel so sane so i think that's like the takeaway that sometimes you're just you're sane you're not crazy you're just feeling something on a cellular level it's out of your control yep damn right so a lot and sometimes of like what we I'm sorry go ahead. about with what sorry go go a lot of what we talk about with breakups is like, okay, it just happened. And now there's like this whole list of things. Like, what do I do? How, what's my next move? Um, so I have a few things that I wrote down that I'd love to talk about. So this is basically like, it's over. Now what? So mm. topic number one, waiting by the phone and, and or reaching out like kind of a guy versus girl perspective, but I also want to kind of talk about it with you, Nadine, because I feel like we feel differently. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I think everyone's approach to something being over is completely different. Some people sit there and they're waiting and they're whatever, where like, I'm one of those people that when something's over, it's done. I'm done. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to hash it out. I don't want I don't want anything. I don't want to see your face. I want to mute your stories on Instagram. I might even block you on Instagram and I just want nothing to do with you. However, I will say that in some cases, especially when it's a quote unquote situationship, if the way it ended is anywhere near as murky as the whole scenario was to begin with. So if you lived in this gray space and it ended in this gray space, Mm. Sometimes it may help to just kind of have that one conversation that's final. And I never used to feel that way until my, the recent situation that I was in happened. Now, granted, that final conversation didn't happen like two weeks after everything kind of went south, but it was a few months later. And I will say that when it happened, I had spent those three months really trying to get over it and move on and just let it go. And I really couldn't, but when I had that conversation and I initiated it, I reached out, I did all of that, which I would not normally advise, but I realized that when it happened and I talked to him, it's almost like it took him off of this weird pedestal that I had him Mm. on. You know, it's like, he's, it reminds you why it didn't work. It reminds you why you stood up for yourself and you decided that it wasn't worth doing in a way that wasn't on your terms. And that you were standing up for yourself and you were waiting for something better, for something more, and that you weren't okay living in this gray space anymore. And to remind yourself that this person is not worth your dissatisfaction and your anxiety of not defining what you are, especially when you're giving so much of yourself, it's kind of nice. You're kind of like, ah, see, like, this is exactly why I walked away. This is exactly why I deserve more. And sometimes it really does give you that sense of, almost like that validation that you sometimes need to, to remind yourself that you did do the right thing and that you didn't, you know, screw yourself up for something in the future. And you didn't walk away from something that was amazing. It's like, no, you, you know what? I, I did the right thing. And I kind of needed this conversation to remind me of that. The pedestal thing is so real. It's so true. Um, and I remember hearing in high school, I was so obsessed with this whole topic, even back then. Um, I remember hearing, I don't know who said it, but you never want someone more than the moment you can't have them. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's why reaching out is so dangerous to me. Like in that period, like a few days, like a week, even like a few weeks. A month, honestly. Yeah. I'm not into it. No. My thing is that I don't think any girl has ever reached out to her ex and was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad. I feel so much better. So glad I was the first one to crack. And (laughs) I would never feel that way. I will wait until we're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Like, I would normally agree. I really would if if I hadn't had such a different experience in a somewhat recent time in my life. But like I said, I think it's all about the intention of what you're hoping to gain from that reach out, right? Like, I mean, if you're reaching out because – you hope that like you guys are going to hang out and they're going to miss you and like all this crap. Like, no, it's going to be miserable. And also to your point, like, I don't think it makes sense to do it in that first like 30 days. Yeah. It's almost like, okay, if you can return a pair of shoes within the timeframe that it's been (laughs) from when you, when you broke up with the person, like maybe you want to (laughs) wait. Yeah. If it's good enough for a return policy, then it's good enough for us to stick by in the don't reach out window. And if in 30 days or 60 days or 90 days, whatever goes by, and you still kind of feel like you need to have that conversation for you, then then it's worth it. The only time I've ever done the reach out is when I was super desperate. And like, I did really want the guy to be like, oh <laughs> like, I just must have forgotten how great she is. Like, it was never with good <laughs> intentions. I, no. I could call my own BS. It was never, there were never good intentions. No. And honestly, like, as much as I'm sure all these women that listen to this or men, even they're listening to this and you're like, Oh my gosh, you are all fantastic humans and they should be missing you. They're not missing you. (laughs) I don't know who needs to hear that right now, but it's the truth. Yeah. No, it has nothing to do with you. That's the thing. It's like about the relationship and the really funny thing. This is probably my favorite thing that I've learned so far in my really unofficial research, just talking to friends. Um, girls have told me like yeah like I get dumped and or I break up with the guy and I'm sitting by my phone like why isn't he texting me doesn't he miss me he knows I'm so upset it's so cruel that he's not reaching out how could he do this to me like we really had a good thing and when you talk to the guys they're like wait she thinks I should call her wait why would I call her that's really mean (laughs) like right to lead her on I wouldn't even think of calling her like they just don't even think of it the same way we do No, and it's funny because I think in this situation, I would almost identify more with the men because Mm -hmm. why, like, nothing's changed. You're still a selfish prick. Yeah. And you still don't want, because here's the thing, and and, and situationships end for all types of reasons, but I would say that the number one reason is because one of you wants to define the relationship and one of you doesn't. Yeah. And 90% of the time, that's how it goes, right? So if you chose to walk away because the person you're in this situationship with wasn't giving you more of the commitment that you needed in order to feel good about the amount of effort you were putting in and you walked away, well then high five, because that's fucking incredible. You stood up for yourself and you walked away and you knew that you deserved more, even though it was really hard for you to do that. But from the guy's perspective, the reason that he's not reaching out to you immediately after that happens is because nothing has changed. Exactly. He still doesn't want to define the relationship. Yeah. He still hasn't done the work on himself. He still hasn't, you know, gotten to where he wants to get in his career or whatever the myriad of excuses are that we've all heard time and time again. Those things have not changed. So what's he going to reach out to you and say, hey, I'm still a piece of shit. Hey, I'm still not what you want. Hey, you're still too good for me. Okay. How's the, what's that going to do for anybody? And the worst thing is when in that period of nothing changing, when somebody goes 
back. Like when, and the person who's usually crushed more is the one who loses. Like if you're making a compromise over something that really matters to you, that is not good for anyone. No, I'm totally comfortable now over 10 years later saying that my college boyfriend that Nadine and I met through, it's kind of a longer story, but um, sort of out of nowhere, came over my apartment one night and looked me straight in the eye and was just like, I don't love you anymore. And it was so crushing. I was like devastated. I couldn't understand it. But I remember like a weekend passed and I was like, hey, you know, somehow we started talking and we met up in the middle of the night in front of a dorm. And I was like, you know what? Like we had a great thing before we even like fell in love and said, I love you. I don't think we need to be in love to date. That was (laughs) the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. Like I'm so embarrassed for 2008 me. (laughs) <laughs> like in I, your I defense no good conversations happen in front of a dorm room in the middle of the night <laughs> that too that too <laughs> but like you can't if you're gonna go back with someone and things haven't changed like you're going to fall in the same patterns and you're gonna feel even more unfulfilled because you're just like waiting and watching because you mm-hmm. know all of your issues they're like front and center and it's the worst feeling so it is it's terrible and there's nothing and I think so much of what we've been conditioned to do is to try to be what the other person wants us to be, right? And we yeah. want to force ourselves to be okay with whatever situation that we're in because we think it's better than not being in it. Yeah. And it sucks because we know walking away is not easy. It, it's terrible because you can't picture not talking to this person or not seeing this person or whatever it is. But you know ultimately that in the long-term plan for you and your life and what you want and the life you want and the partner that you want and the partner you deserve these are things that you can't accept. So we get it. We know it sucks, but yeah, it's over. Stick to your non-negotiables. Well, yes. That's pretty much probably why you broke up a non-negotiable. Right. Um, so what about closure? What do you Oof. think? Do you think it's real? Do you think it's some sort of excuse? Like when people say they need closure in whatever form they're claiming to need it. Here's the thing about closure. Do I think it's real? Yes. Do I think it's real in the sense that, oh, I have to talk to him because I need closure. I think that's a huge bullshit excuse. I think if you need closure, like you find that closure within you. I think it's something that you have to work on. You have to accept that there's going to be certain answers you will never have. And you have to love yourself enough to realize that it wasn't you and that any reason that the relationship didn't work out or that they couldn't love you or be there for you the way that you wanted them to or expect them to be, it's, it's their shortcoming, not yours. And you have to have enough love and confidence in and of yourself that you believe that. And I think that's what closure is. It's getting to that point where you love yourself enough to let go of what the other person's perspective is. You're putting yourself above them You're not worried about what they think or how they feel or what they need, because quite frankly, they're not your fucking problem anymore. You are. And honestly, like I can say for myself, I don't think I've ever really sought closure in that pure way. (laughs) I think it was like, let me buy a new outfit and look amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, and for me, I think that anytime I tried to, you know, talk to my friends about it and say like, yeah, I think I I just really need that closure. I think we're just going to meet up you usually don't get like the best response from your friends. It's very like lukewarm, like, okay, I support you because I love you, but I 
wholeheartedly. But I also think you're stupid, right? Yeah. And like some people end up like, and I've done it myself. Like some people end up kind of like sneaking around. And Mm -hmm. my thing that I learned many years ago is if you're hiding the fact that you saw, you met up with, you talked to your ex and you're hiding that from like your family, your friends, people you care about, people who care about you and you're sneaking around, like that is how you know he's not the one. That is yeah. how you know you're with like a really bad guy. Like you, you have to hide it on some level or you're not being like totally honest with your family and friends or even yourself. Like, ugh, it's toxic. Because there's a level of shame that you feel. And to yeah. be honest with you, you should be feeling it. Yeah. Because there's absolutely nothing good that's happening here. Yeah. Like you're basically allowing this. I mean, I'm all for like doing what's best for you and only you know what you need to move right. on. But like, just be fucking honest with yourself. Like just say like, am I going out there and I'm, am I meeting this guy because I want to look fire as hell and I want him to obsess over me and like be like, oh my gosh, I can't have this. Oh my God, what did I do? How do I get her back? Listen, if you want that attention and you want to go get it, that's fine. Just be honest and real with yourself that that's what you're trying to accomplish. Exactly. You know, even on the other side of it, I've always felt really uncomfortable with friends. Like if, if I've ever been like the strong friend who's like tough love and I'm like, you better not meet up with him. You're an idiot. I'm always afraid that like my friend is going to then like not trust me and like yes. do the sneaking around and I never want to like force that. So I try to be supportive, but it's really hard. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to be supportive of somebody who's being a fucking idiot. And like, yeah. I'm sorry, like we're 30, we're in our thirties now. Like we don't, we don't have time for stupid. We don't have energy yeah. for stupid. And anybody who is, who's past the age of, I would say like 29 and is still engaging in his behavior you're a fucking idiot, and I hope you have friends that tell you as such. Nadine, we should really clarify here that you are the tough love one, and I am, like, the push. <laughs> like, oh, I would be so soft, and Nadine is so tough. I'm like, why do you even like him? He didn't even have a 401k. She's never wrong, though. Nadine is, like, always on point, so... Um, and Michelle is like the world's greatest hype woman. Like when you guys break up with someone, she will whip out a list that's a mile long that she's been keeping handy throughout the entire duration of your relationship to tell you everything that's wrong with him. And wait. I will admit, you may not be ready to hear it right after, but give it like a week or two. And that list becomes the key to moving on. We'll get to that. I'm sure at some we point. We will absolutely get to that because that is like my top secret weapon. I'm oh. obsessed with the list, but, and also just, you know, you really do need your friends. Like try to not shut them out. If they disagree with what you're doing, remember that you're chemically imbalanced right now and you're not really mm-hmm. yourself and they know you better than you know yourself at this moment. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. Another favorite topic to block or not to block block. No block, <laughs> block, 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 Ugh. block it. Spam it, delete it, <laughs> never look at it ever again. Don't name him Satan in your phone. Don't name him <laughs> do not answer. Guess what? Because when he fucking calls and you see do not answer, what are you going to do? You're going to answer. Yeah. You're going to answer. And if you really don't want to answer, block him or her. Okay. So when you block someone, are you over them? Or are you not over no. them? No, if I block somebody, it's because I'm not over them. And I can admit that. And to be honest with you, I don't care if they know that. The, I will say, though, that the beautiful thing about Instagram and Facebook now is this whole muting feature. Like, you can literally just put someone away from your feed and you don't have to see them or do anything. And 
you don't have to actually take that huge step of blocking them. Well, wait, that really depends if you block for you or for them. So do you, you, so you block because you don't want to see their stuff. I block because yeah, because I'm done. I don't want them to have access to me. I don't want to have access to them and I block their number. I will block their email, any method that I can think of for the most part, you will officially be blocked from. You can't get in touch with me. You're going to have to show up to my place of residence and or work if you want to say something to me. See, here's the thing. I am so opposite of this. I understand the blocking, like the purpose of blocking, but I have a morbid, disgusting curiosity about everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, like strangers, not even. So imagine how I feel about people like I once cared about. and, and, and right. <laughs> Sometimes she comes back and she's like, I met someone on the train and now I know everything about where she works and who she lives and what her Aunt Carol did for Christmas. No, and I'm like, how? That's probably a real story. Um, <laughs> it's impressive. I, like, and even like with a breakup, I cannot move on without having all of the information because I feel like assumptions, like all the stories we're making up in our heads about what's actually going on, it's it's actually so much worse than what's going on. So I'd rather yeah. see it and like be a jerk and like judge any girl in like even the background of any picture. <laughs> <laughs> like, ew, why is her hair like that? <laughs> yeah. And I would be, I just feel like I need to arm myself with all that knowledge and process it and move on and be over it and probably obsess over it too. But I think not knowing kills me. And and also thinking about this, I feel like so many guys that have dated just as a coincidence or maybe not, they like deleted their Facebook around like before we ever broke up. So mm. I couldn't. And that maybe that's why I'm like, <laughs> maybe that's what, maybe that was God trying to intervene here. And they're Honestly, like, we know what you're going to do and we're just going to make it so you can't do it. Yeah. But I will find a way. <laughs> You'll find a way. Like, don't even like, you worry. Have to you're like a I, hound dog. I've gone on like, I've had to stalk like friends of friends and like kind of guessed where people, I'm disgusting, but we'll move on from this. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm psycho. Maybe I really you're... don't have any weird intentions. I'm just, I'm so curious. No, I you're incredible to... at this. It's honestly kind of like, I, if, if anyone from the FBI ever happens to hear this, and if you're looking for someone who can dig up dirt on literally anybody with the most basic of information, yeah. you found your recruit right here. I feel like I don't know if it's too early to mention the story that like I I liked a guy like I saw a guy that was really cute at the dining hall all the time like <laughs> one semester and I just like really wanted to know who he was and like I saw him at a party once I couldn't really figure out who who our mutual friends were and my roommate texted me one day and was like oh my god like the guy that you like from the dining hall he's at the bus stop and he's wearing a backpack with his initials which should have been the first red flag like what 20 year old <laughs> a lands and backpack with his initials but i ended up finding him on facebook this is a horrible story but i ended up finding him on facebook <laughs> by like type like guessing like i'm just gonna make up his initials were like um oh god jd for john doe okay perfect <laughs> i typed in like jake d john d, jack d. <laughs> and like i actually found him that's do you know what that tells me? And do you know, so, how, do you know what that tells me? It also tells me that know. like this guy's a basic ass bitch with a basic ass name. Because yeah, like no, he really was. Yeah, if his name was like Shaquan or yeah. like Muhammad, even although it is the most common name in the world, <laughs> really so maybe not Muhammad. That was a bad, that was a poor choice. But whatever. <laughs> if if it was something semi not basic, you wouldn't yeah. have even guessed it. So the it's fact so that you could guess it, I know, turns me off it. from him. 
Yeah. Well, in my defense, we actually kind of like talked, whatever we'll call it, for like almost a month. And I ended it because he was the biggest weirdo ever. Oh, uh, well, yeah, duh, he had initials on his backpack. That situation. <laughs> <laughs> that's really the, that's the, the moral of the story here, I think. Yeah. Sounds like a, sounds like a victory, if anything. Yeah, so that's a really good first impression of me. So we'll just move on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what this podcast is for. Airing out dirty laundry. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. Uh, Okay, my least favorite conversation to have, which I have been in this denial so deeply in my past. But is it really over? I just feel like it's not really the end. (laughs) I literally hate that phrase so much. I just feel like it's not done, you know? Like, you know, sometimes you just feel it inside, but, like, there's more. It's, like, I just I, hate it. Oh, I hear myself. I hear Oh, we have things. all said it. We have all said it. Ugh. I really think that five years, I still think he's my soulmate, and I think we may go out and date other people and maybe even get married and have children, but I really just don't think it's over. No, it's like that it's one, over. it's like that meme that has recently been circulating where it's, like, God, I can't believe to what extremes like my exes will go just to make me jealous. We broke up six years ago and now they're getting married. Oh my God. Yes, that's <laughs> it's, it's the that's same thing. It's the same thing. It's like you think that, and here's the thing about it. I don't think there's any harm in believing in a little bit of hope immediately following a breakup that it's not over. And the reason I feel that way is because if you actually sit there and wrap your head around the fact that you may never see or speak to this person ever again in your life. That is the most overwhelming thing to take on. In addition to the fact that the romantic piece of your relationship is over. So I think it's just really, sometimes you just need to believe that like, this is temporary maybe, and maybe this isn't going to be the actual end in order to just survive that initial phase post breakup. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It becomes a problem when you be, when you live your life according to the idea that it's not over and you're basically still in the relationship and it's holding you back from dating other people down yeah. the line. It's holding you back from, you know, traveling or accepting new jobs or doing whatever because you're still holding out some hope that this may become a thing again. That's when it's a problem. But as long as it's not affecting you your life or your choices and you just kind of need to hold on to that for a little bit then I don't think it's so bad I also I mean it is a slippery slope I definitely understand what you're saying um, yeah I actually really like that way of putting it you know it is really overwhelming to think that that person is basically dead you know right well it's dead. like a death yeah yeah it actually can feel that way um, or actually I think Bethany Frankel <laughs> housewife of New York said it's actually <laughs> worse because like that person is if they're terrible to you let's say they still get to walk around and live their life and they still exist on the same earth as you. So it could kind of be worse depending on the situation. I mean, is she suggesting um, that we kill them? No, no. Oh. <laughs> Cause like, all right. I'll, I'll, but, I'll plead you know, the fifth here. Yeah. We should probably cut that out too. Just in case like you know, the whole <laughs> FBI thing comes back right. to us. But mm-hmm, sure. uh, <laughs> I think that it's dangerous to me because like you said, the person's like not going to go out and date and they're not going to, try to get over it they're just kind of they're gonna like wait by their phone and wait for the guy to call them back and be like I realized that I forgot how great you were mm-hmm. um, and I really think it's empowering to just be like okay it's over like I've done a couple breakups like that where it's like okay I got 
the, you know, the green light, I'm going to go be single, like whatever that meant in my sad little life, you know, (laughs) go out and, you know, meet guys and just feel really good about it. And then also feel really bad about it. I'm sure when it doesn't pan out well, but I don't know. I think that it does kind of hold you back. And I would rather be like, it's over. It's never happening again. Like, let's just close that chapter. But yeah, a lot easier said than done. Yeah. I mean, and I agree. I mean, to an extent, I mean, like you said, I think it's a balance. I think it's just something that maybe for, you know, days one through 29, you're kind of like, well, mm-hmm. and you, because the thing is your own feelings and your own genesis of this whole experience will change. It'll naturally evolve. You will naturally have less sadness over the whole thing. And when the sadness starts to leave and you start to kind of see the situation for what it was, that's when you start to let go of the hope that it'll become a thing again, because you start to realize you don't really want it to become a thing again and that you want more. And that's the whole reason it ended. And I mean, maybe if you got dumped, it's different because you weren't the one that was trying to stand up for something more or whatever it is. But even then you start to realize like that motherfucker dumped me. Yeah. He dumped me. Mm -hmm. His ass thinks he can do better than me. I love that. That's my favorite part. Oh yeah. That's the best phase. Cause you're like, wow, he's going to, I am the, I am the yardstick for which all future girlfriends yeah. will be measured. He's going to be sitting there in his old man rocking chair alone in the nursing home with no one to visit him. And he's going to be like, wow, I can't believe I broke up with Michelle in 2009. Okay. This would not be the situation. really personal. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I mean, I'm I may, kinda... may not be thinking of someone. It's fine. <laughs> you know what, what you're saying about this whole like 30 day thing is making me think. What? I'm thinking of, I never did it, but I have a basic understanding of the Whole30 diet. It's like oh, you geez, cut I've out done everything it. for yeah. 30 days and your life oh, yeah. is like really difficult. And if you cheat, you have to start over the 30 days. Yes. Yes. Honestly, Whole30 is so, it's such a good parallel for a breakup <laughs> because you're like, wow, I'm going to suck out everything that gives me joy and I'm going to replace it with things that are actually like really good for me, but I don't Oh my like God. Them. This is great. Right? Whole 30. I mean, basically, we're suggesting that you whole 30 your ass from this breakup, whatever it is you're going through, block his ass on Instagram, block his ass on your phone, do all that shit, spend your time doing self-care, self-love, go out with your friends, live your life, stay late at work, get that money, do all that shit. And that's whole 30ing. And then if you still, if you still feel like you need to call him at the end of that, fine. Who are we to stop you? Yeah. And also, like, one thing I definitely want to point out is really be honest with yourself about like what he did and like his worst Mm -hmm. actions and just everything about him. You know, my thing is you should be able to tell the person that you're closest to, whether it's your mom or your best friend or your sister, like the worst thing that he's done to you, he or she, Mm -hmm. and they should still be able to like love that person and be like, well, that's not, you know, you're working through it. It shouldn't be like this major character flaw or, you know, mental illness or not mental illness, but <laughs> no, but like they are though. <laughs> like he shouldn't be an abusive anything, you know, it mm-hmm. should just be like, Oh, you guys are just not compatible right now. And it really shouldn't be too bad. It, you're, you shouldn't be ashamed of yes. what that person's done to you. I love that because I do think that so many times we tend to overlook some pretty shitty behavior just because we love the person or we really care about the person or we really want the situation to work. And 
when we're, if we were really honest with ourselves and let's say our friend was trying to tell us that this was a situation they were in and someone did that to them, if you wouldn't suggest that they put up with it, why would you suggest that you put up with it? Yeah, so true. Fucked up, man. So talking about like, is it really over? I know that you do have a theory. I, I don't do. know if this is about really relationships or just guys in general. Um, it's just men. You always say, like, they always come back. They do literally always come back. Anybody in any way. And here's the thing. The coming back doesn't always mean that they call you up or they show up with flowers at your door and say, oh, my God, I fucked up so badly. I want to be with you. Give me another chance. No, that's not usually what it means. But it usually means that there's a, hey, or there's constant viewing of your Instagram story or they... Ask their friend about you and your friend made sure that the message got back to you. Like there's always something. They don't ever just disappear. They don't just go away. As much as you want them to sometimes, they will always find a way to come back in your life in some regards. Whether it's just checking in on you from afar, whether they think they just want to see how you're doing or they saw something that reminds them of you. And maybe sometimes they do want to get back together. In which case, by the way, don't recommend doing um, no, just don't do it. But I do think that anybody that you have any kind of connection with, assuming you end it in a way that's dignified for you and you didn't like go key their car or send them to jail or, you know, do something that like really makes them take out a restraining order against you. 99% of the time they will come back in some shape or form. I'm fascinated by it. It's really never been wrong. No, we've talked about it. They have always come back to some extent, all of them. What a rush. I love Fucking it. I love it. Yeah, eat that shit up for <laughs> breakfast. It's like you do it and you get so much swag that day. The second one of them comes like oh. no other. Oh my God. It's like I walk into work like with some fucking Cardi B blasting, like, I'm a bad bitch. And I'm like, ain't nobody can fuck with me. Like, I feel so good. But honestly, this is why, like, I I understand my own stalking and it validates it for me because I will make up the whole backstory of why they reached out to me. Like, Oh my God, (laughs) they must've been thinking about me for so long. (laughs) They just had to reach out. Like they went back and forth about it. And like, they just couldn't resist when really we give them way too much credit. It was probably just like, I don't know, something so stupid and happened in that 32nd period. They didn't overthink it. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. They're like, Oh, uh, Hey, I just saw a pair of uh, some nice tits. Let me reach out to yeah. Michelle. Hey. Yep. No one's That's ever thinking of me. When they <laughs> I am. <laughs> okay. I really want to talk about, in every episode, I really ideally hope that there are enough ridiculous dating terms, like millennial dating terms that we can bring up. Just one yes. every episode. This one is called Gatsbying. I don't really know if anyone thinks it's as funny as I do, but if you're not familiar with The Great Gatsby, the book or the movie, Jay Gatsby was this guy and he threw these insane parties with the sole purpose of getting the attention of one girl. And he really didn't care. He, you know, all of his friends showed up and they were all users, but um, he really just wanted the attention of the one girl. That's, That's all he wanted. So in today's dating world, it's applied to like, let's say like an Instagram story. If you've ever seen somebody like post like a very distinct like selfie where they're like, like very seductively in the camera, there's a lot of weirdness going on or, you know, 
they're posting like a very specific song that they that you kind of know that like a guy they were talking to likes that song. Sometimes they'll do it like, mm. and, like talking, and they mm-hmm. just want to get the attention of one person. Like they don't want to hear a story reply from anybody else. And most of the time, you don't hear from the person that you want to hear from. Oh my god, I have one hundred percent done that, and I hate we have- myself all this. I, so I'm bad. hating myself so hard right now like I'm just oh. like oh my god I love this song it is Watch so cringy and I just want to kill myself is that what that means I hate it so much I'm it so is so cringy but my favorite actually I don't know if it's my favorite I think it's better when it's like in the beginning and you're being just such a tool but um, <laughs> I like when someone does it like after a breakup and there's like that like boom like since the dawn of like Facebook probably even MySpace like you break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend and like you have like the hottest like picture you've ever posted ever and it's mm-hmm. like, this is a straight thirst trap and you oh just, yeah <laughs> new hair who did mm. yeah yeah feeling cute reminds, might delete <laughs> it reminds me of um that i think the account got taken down but it was like girls with irrelevant captions it was just like literally my favorite account and just like a ridiculous My, caption like it's like gandhi says be the change you want to see in the world and she's literally like tits out at the pool i'm like exactly. i don't i don't i don't understand yeah i don't get it so that's gaxing um i really enjoy that thank you for teaching me that don't you feel like seen and then you also just want to hide I'm, i mean i feel really understood but also very judged simultaneously it, it gives you like a really uncomfortable sense of awareness um yeah like i really like, yeah it's funny though because i've actually had people say to me that because i i haven't really been posting that much on instagram and sometimes i go through phases where i post on instagram consistently like a yeah. lot and i haven't really been posting much to my stories and i've had people say like what are you in a relationship now or something oh like my what's God, going on definitely talk about that oh yeah I love so, that. It, it's a real thing I, I, I guess I didn't realize it, but I think that's what you're doing. <laughs> I guess I'm Gatsbying, but it's like, I don't Gatsby with my tits. I Gatsby with my insane wit and sharp tongue. Also true. I really hate when somebody like tries to make an assumption about my actions on social media though. Like if yeah. somebody tries, like Gatsbying is like subtweeting, like don't try to accuse me. Yeah. Of it because it, it actually makes you feel more insane and you're like, wait, no, but I really wasn't doing that. And now I know like, like yeah. extra crazy. Yeah, like, don't, like, dirty my posts with your weird thought process and yeah. your malintention. Like, shut the fuck up. Let me Yeah, live. I think it's, like, a projection. Yeah, for it's real. Amazing. I agree. Yep. Um, okay. So we want to close every episode with a little segment we will call Breakup Breakdown. Choo-choo-choo. Yeah, we need a good, like, little musical bit there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sometimes looking back on breakups, years later months later can make you laugh we promise um so we hope ending on stories like this gives you a little bit of hope a little bit of perspective and just makes you laugh so nadine please start tell the adam story i will um okay so here's the story the long and the short of it is that i was dating someone for a year and a half and you know, wasn't the greatest guy, worst wasn't guy. worst guy, Reed, worst guy. And <laughs> none of my friends liked him. Hated none him. of none of my family liked him. And you would think that these are things that I would take to heart and be like, wow, everybody hates him. 
No, but instead I was like, oh my God, they just like don't understand him the way I do. They don't know him like the way that I do. Like, it's just so sad. It's almost like you feel like you're obligated to stick with this person. But anyway, so I was like head over heels for this guy. We dated for a year and a half. And um, I found out, because I I don't want to get into the whole, whole story, but the high level overview is that there was, I would say maybe six, seven months into our relationship, he had gone backpacking in Costa Rica. And when he was there, he was there with his buddy and he met, they had met these two girls, two, two American girls from Florida while they were there. And, you know, I had seen them in some of the pictures that he posted and that he sent me. And I was kind of like, who are these bitches? And he was like, nah, like, they're just following us. It's nothing serious. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, "Mm, okay. Obviously, my spidey senses were tingling, but I just chalked it up to me being a little jealous and, like, a little insecure, and I decided to let it go. So he comes back, you know, and I end up seeing some suspicious texts in his phone, but he deletes them, so I can't dive into them more. And huge oh my god are you kidding me it's like the fucking airport conductor was like waving the red lights at me and I was still like well maybe like it's just like maybe they really were talking about me and he didn't want me to see because that's the excuse I got but anyway so I somehow got past that I forgave him like the idiot that I was and we stayed together so cut to maybe another eight months after that he gets a job opportunity in Aspen, Colorado. And he has to move, obviously. And at this point, I say to him, you know what? We could do a clean break. We don't have to do the long distance thing. I've done it before. It's not great. We've only been together like a little over a year. We, can, we don't have to put ourselves through this, you know, especially like, but he was like, it's only temporary. It's only a few months. I will go out there. I'm going to get this opportunity and then I'm going to transfer back to New York and everything's going to be great. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, fine. Let's give it a shot. Three months into that, I end up getting into his phone and seeing his phone and seeing some more risque texts and snaps and all kinds of things. And it's very much confirmed that I am being cheated on repeatedly by with several other women. So it's not even like it's just one girl or whatever. And I see this. I am devastated. I am crying hysterically. I call Michelle. She has to talk me down and just basically, you know, remind me that it's not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. All those feelings that kind of go through discovering basically that you've been cheated on. So I sit on this information for a little bit. And if you can somehow believe this, I was still considering not breaking up with him. I was still considering the possibility of staying with this guy because I was just so head over heels for him. And I thought maybe this will change everything. And he also denied it to the day he died. Well, he didn't die. I don't know why I said that, but he probably will deny it until the day he dies. And he said, no, what you saw was a misunderstanding, blah, blah, blah. So once I discover all of this, I'm brought back in my head to that girl he met when he was in Costa Rica. I don't know why, but that whole situation never sat right with me. So to discover that I was being cheated on months later with all these other girls, obviously I'm thinking, well, was he cheating on me with this other girl too? And I decide, and I remember somehow what her name was and where she lived. And I find her ass. I know I pulled a Michelle. I find her ass on Facebook. I pull up the Facebook for this girl, right? 
And I'm looking at her and I see in her information, she says, moved to Aspen, Colorado, literally two days after my ex-boyfriend had moved there and works at the same place that my ex-boyfriend also worked at. And I read that and I screenshot it. I didn't even say anything to him. <laughs> I just took screenshots and I sent them to him and I put, I sent like the deuces emoji, like the, to the peace sign. And he swears up and down that I'm misunderstanding it. He's like, no, no, no. She got the job offer, but she never moved here. Oh so then God. I sent him the screenshot that said life event moved to Aspen, Colorado. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. Like, you're just going to keep lying. It's fine. He kept trying to call me. Obviously at, at that point I was like, LOL, like, I, I can't forgive this. Like, this is, it's almost like God knew I was like on the brink of getting, forgiving him and then shoved that in my face to say, LOL, no, you're not. And then that's kind of when I knew it was over. So anyway, we break up and I remember this was in March and fast forward to October. So about seven months later, I'm past it. You know, I'm moving on. I'm doing the whole single dating thing. And my, our other best friend, who is a huge fan of Impractical Jokers, the television show. She watches it religiously and I'm texting with her on a Saturday night and she's like, hey, I'm bored, come over. And I'm like, okay, sure, like I'll be over there in a little bit. And she says, I'll just be watching Impractical Jokers while you get here. I get a text from her 10 minutes later. She says, hey, I just saw Adam on Impractical Jokers. And I was like, what, my ex Adam? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, send me the episode. I need to see this episode. She sends it to me, I look at it, I'm watching it, and I'm like, I notice that he's missing a tattoo on his arm that he had gotten while we were together. Oh my God. So I'm like, this is clearly an older episode. Like, this probably got filmed like when he and I were dating. Why would he not tell me that he, is, that he was on this TV show? That's so weird. Then I watch the episode again. I'm watching the segment again. And I realized that there's a girl in the segment whose face looks familiar to me. And I'm like, and it's filmed in New Jersey, right? Which is where I live at the time. And it's where he lived at the time. So I'm, I'm watching it and I'm like, I know this girl's face. Like I, I've seen it before. Guess who the fucking girl was? Oh yeah, it's Costa Rica slash Aspen chick. <laughs> and she lived in Florida, uh. which means she flew up from Florida to visit my then boyfriend in New Jersey. And he was spending time with her behind my back that I had no idea about, which means he probably saw her during the day and me at night. And I had Ugh. no idea about it whatsoever. And the reason, and obviously I screenshotted her image, sent it to all my friends, compared it to the Facebook photo. And I was like, tell me I'm not crazy. It's, it's this girl, right? Her name's Ashley, by the way, in case she ever fucking sees this. <laughs> so, or hears this, I don't care, I hope so. And I was sitting there and I was like, this motherfucker. And then I'm like, wait, I need to know when this aired. I need to know when this filmed. I needed me. clarity on it. And this is where Michelle came in. She was like, oh my God, it was filmed in Escape the Room in Montclair, New Jersey. Let me call them. I'll find out everything. She called them. She found out the film date and the air date. Both were while we were together before he had moved to Aspen. And I had no idea. And it took me over a year later to get that confirmation that he not only moved to Colorado with this girl that he met in Costa Rica, but that she actually visited him in New Jersey and was basically in a relationship with him the whole time. And I had no fucking clue. And to this day, he has no idea that I know, unless of course he's now listening. He's probably in jail. I don't think they can get podcasts, but in, in jail or dead. Yeah. 
Jacqueline can hope. But I need to add, I think it's so important to add this, that Nadine is my most level-headed friend. She is the least crazy. I hate that word, but I would Mm -hmm. never call Nadine like a crazy, jealous. She's so not like that. And Mm -hmm. I have seen her in different relationships. I've never seen her the way that this guy made her. It's like the classic, Mm -hmm. like, the girl's not crazy. The guy made her crazy. And there was, like, an incident where... One day she just called me like (laughs) gut. Like you have to listen to your gut. Even if it doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense. She just called me one day. We lived like 20 minutes apart. She's like, I'm on my way to your apartment. She's like, I just have this very weird feeling that Adam's oh sorry, are we not supposed to say his name? No, say his name. I don't know. Adam's not at work. Um and so he works at like I will absolutely call. So we call and we're just like, Hey, is, is Adam working tonight? Like, you know, real casual. And they're like, Adam? No, he's not here. Like, I don't even know if they thought he worked there. I don't know if they knew him. Like, Adam <laughs> not like they literally, like, Adam was not there. Nope. And we, I hang up the phone and we're just looking at each other. I'm like, okay, well, and we tried to, like, make sense of it. And I'm pretty sure you were texting him. And he was mm-hmm. like, no, they just, like, don't know me. No, we have a new manager there. She doesn't even know my name. I was like, oh. I, I think we called again. And, like, Adam yep. was still not there. Adam was still not there. Like, no matter who you talk to, Adam wasn't there because Adam wasn't there. And when we thought about the timeline of when the episode was filmed, it fits with the time frame of when that night happened. So, Wait, are you kidding me? That's even yeah. Better. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, he was probably out in some escape room with this bitch from Florida slash Costa Rica slash Aspen slash whatever. And that's probably the night that it happened because I knew. Here's the thing. Yes, this story sucks and it's terrible. And it was like one of the worst feelings I've ever felt being cheated on like that and being lied to and manipulated to the extent that I was. But you know what it taught me? Trust your gut. Seriously. If something feels like it's so off, anyway, it's off. Trust your gut. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, I think we've kind of covered what we wanted to talk about in episode one. Yes. Well, you liked it. Yeah, it was. this was fun for me personally. So even if nobody listens, I think you should just do this regularly. This was so much fun. This was just like having a phone conversation with you. Yeah, I love it. I love you. All so right. really, this is going to turn into like a romance. Yeah, this fun. is going to be really obnoxious at one point. But <laughs> we'll, really, we'll control we will. ourselves. We'll do a theme song and everything at some point. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm ready. I'm not singing. Yeah. I'll like play the tambourine or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll beatbox. In the yeah. Cool. All right. Well, well, that's Heart Sprained episode one. Thanks for listening. Um, if this makes it far, please rate and review. <laughs> <our podcast. laughs> and even if it doesn't, you should still rate and review all yeah. six of you. Tell us what you think. I want to hear feedback. Like, I really want yes. to hear breakup stories and questions. We need stuff to talk about. Actually, we have a lot to talk about, but we want your stories. We want to hear what shit, you know you've been through if you have a breakup that you want us to break down we're happy to do it email us tweet us instagram us whatever you want and we will see you here next time follow us at heartsprained on instagram and maybe we'll have a twitter someday soon and Mm -hmm. email us at heartsprained at gmail.com tell us anything you want us to hear or talk about thank you so much bye